All right. Well, good evening. It is awesome to see you guys back here. And, uh, hey, our church is the same way in Austin. It's like everybody comes in 30 seconds before the evening service. So great to see you here. And Pastor has a word from the Lord. They come earlier when I'm preaching. Okay. <laughs> they come earlier when you're preaching. All right. Anyway, um, it's funny how you had to lower that to talk into it. So, you know. <laughs> All right, well, um, <laughs> I have no idea where to start tonight, so let's start at the beginning. Let's do that. All right, let's pray together, and uh, we'll open up God's Word. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you so much for these friends, and thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, I thank you for this lighthouse, this uh, uh, house where the truth is lifted up and preached, and I thank you for the lives in this community that you're changing and I pray that you would continue to lead and guide this ministry and the leadership here. And uh, we just love you. Thank you for what you're going to do tonight. I pray that you'd help us as we dive into your word. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. We love you. Pray you'd help us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, the You guys can go ahead. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Kings chapter 4. 1 Kings chapter 4. And as you're turning there, um, just... Very quickly, on a personal note, I want to thank you very, very much uh, for praying for me and the girls. They're doing really good. Many of you I've been able to show pictures to. If you haven't gotten to see a picture of them yet, you can hit me up after the service. I'll show you a picture of Kate with her little reading glasses and Chloe and her eight-foot-long legs. You know, she's already five-foot-three, and she's 10 years old. So uh, she is like, Dad, I'm going to be as tall as you. And I said, you like that now, you will not like that when you're 16. So <laughs> hopefully maybe she stops around five-foot-eight. I don't know. We do want to get around five foot eight for volleyball. That'd be great at the school. But um, the but but thank you so much for praying for us, and uh, please continue to pray for us. Um, I just wanted to say a quick word about the wedding this weekend with Jake and Amanda, and um, and I say this in all seriousness. Hebrews thirteen seven says, "Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation." And as I was able to come back this week, and I know um, Lydia, you know, has married Josh and Jacob just marrying Amanda, to see the end of you raising them and the faith that you guys have instilled in them, uh, that is a blessing. And that's something that I want to follow. And so I commend you for how you've raised them and uh, Pam and um, Brian as well. It, it's just so neat to see godly kids come together uniting in marriage to serve the Lord. And, you know, God has a very special design in all of that. And the other thing that, so I was going to say that, and then I was also going to say, um, it actually says it in the Bible three times, but Psalm 29, two says, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And we live in a culture that wants to mock holiness and purity and make fun of it. Oh, you're stiff. You're archaic. You're this or that. What I saw yesterday was beautiful and it was holy. And you know what that means? That means it honored God. And, um, that's a whole nother message, but it's amazing how when we come to worship the Lord, the Bible commands us to do so in the beauty of holiness and that was a holy ceremony yesterday. These kids loving the Lord um, and just, it honored God. And so I commend you 
all for that. The uh, first Kings chapter four uh, tonight. Uh, we're going to look at a word. We'll get there in a moment. This is going to be a, a bit of introduction, but. I'm going to read some scripture here, and we're going to start out by looking at the wisdom and understanding of King Solomon. And if you would, just really give your attention to how God describes the magnificence of Solomon, not just his understanding, but the outworking of it, okay? So look at 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse number 1. The Bible says, so King Solomon was king over all Israel. All right, so we're setting the context from the chapter there. Then hop up to verse 21. And the Bible says, And Solomon reigned over all kingdoms from the river unto the land of the Philistines and under the border of Egypt. They brought presents and served Solomon all the days of his life. And Solomon's provision for one day was 30 measures of fine flour and three score measures of meal. Now, just to give you a it's interesting, when the children of Israel were fed with manna, God had them measure out an omer. Uh, that was their unit of measurement. And here, Solomon's getting, however big this measurement is, can you tell that he's getting a portion uh, for the, a king? That there's 30 measures here, a fine flour, three score measures of meal, 10 fat oxen, 20 oxen out of the pastures, and 100 sheep besides hearts, and roebucks, and fallow deer, and fatted fowl. And all of the men in the room said, and all the men in the room said, amen. All right, you, can you tell he like every day of his life was uh, uh, the, the sports banquet dinner, you know. So, for he had dominion over all the region on this side of the river, from Tipshah uh, even to Azah, over all the kings on this side of the river, and he had peace on all sides round about him. And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, every man under the vine that the state owned. And under whose fig tree? It's interesting. I was purple personal property rights coming out in the Bible, huh? From Dan even to Beersheba, all the days of Solomon. And Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. And those officers provided victual for King Solomon for all that came unto King Solomon's table. Every man in his month, they lacked nothing. Barley also and straw for the horses and dromedaries brought they unto the place where the officers were. Every man according to his charge. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much, and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country, and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan, the Ezraite, and He-Man, and the power of Grayskull. And uh, oh, that, was, that was for Nathaniel, but I He'll have to listen to that one later. He-man and Chalcal and Darda, the sons of Mael, and his fame was in all nations round about. And he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were a 1,005. And he spake of trees from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. He spake also of beasts and of fowl and of creeping things and of fishes. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth, which had heard of his wisdom. You've heard the phrase, this guy was a man among boys, right? When you look at King Solomon, he was a king of kings. And no doubt you've met someone or maybe you've worked for someone or maybe there's a CEO of your company that, let me ask you this way, have you ever met somebody 
And when you begin to understand the wisdom and the understanding and just their ability to do their trade, have you ever stood in awe? Um, all of you ladies right now are thinking of your husbands, aren't you? You're just all just in awe, you know. Um, just Laura. Okay, Laura's the only one in here standing in awe. Um, I, I can remember, you know, pastor taking me out as a, as a teenager to like West Coast Baptist College and, and getting to, to meet Paul Chapel and, and seeing that ministry. And to me, when I read about the largeness of heart, not only did King Solomon have wisdom and understanding, but he had like a largeness in his heart that he would care. And it's, it's amazing when you meet somebody that's super busy, but when you talk to them that they seem invested in you. You know, he, he had God, and again, this was all completely given to him by God. There really was no one like him on planet Earth. Do you see how the Bible's, God's letting you know there was no one like Solomon. And so much so that kings and princes were coming to him for wisdom. I mean, you had people coming to him to ask maybe how they ought to run a country or how they ought to deal with conflict. And um, we know on a microcosmic level, that just means small, okay, guys, small, microcosmic level, that uh, when King Solomon is trying to discern between two harlots whose baby was killed and whose baby this really was, you know, and you remember how he tells them to bring a sword and the, the true mother cries out and says, no, 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 just let her have the baby. And he, it's just in the Bible, it's because God gave him that wisdom. It's, an, it's incredible. So let me ask you this uh, from verse 29. Who gave Solomon the wisdom and understanding? God. How much did he give him? Exceeding much. And so pastor hit on the verse, right? God's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. It's, it's fun in the scripture where God doesn't say, I gave him wisdom. He didn't even say he gave him exceeding wisdom. He gave him exceeding much wisdom. He did, God just kept pouring it out in his life. How many people did Solomon excel over? Verse 30, Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the East Country, all the wisdom of Egypt. Do you think there were some pretty smart, again, you take the population, like two, you know, you think of the population world right now, six billion or whatever it is. There are some pretty smart people on the planet, right? And you think, think of the smartest of the smart in King Solomon's day, and he was smarter. He had more wisdom. So much so that let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 9. And we're going to see one of these uh, members of royalty that came to inquire of Solomon. And you guys are probably familiar with this account. This is the Queen of Sheba. The Queen of Sheba comes and she doesn't really believe that King Solomon is as wise and as great as everybody says. She's skeptical. She um, it sets out to prove everybody else wrong. And so Second Chronicles chapter 9 and verse 1, the Bible says, And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to prove Solomon with hard questions at Jerusalem, with a very great company and camels that bear spices and gold in abundance and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, uh, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. And there was nothing hid from Solomon, which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants, 
and the attendants of his ministers and their apparel, his cupbearers also and their apparel and his, do you see how God is letting you know that in every area of King Solomon's life, the, the wisdom that God had given him was touching everything in his life and everyone else in his life. Do you see that? And his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, she was really impressed. How does God say, how does God describe her response to Solomon's wisdom and greatness? Was she like, oh, hey, that's that's pretty cool. How does your Bible say it? There's no more what? She was floored. She, she, she didn't know what to say. She thought everybody was kind of blowing this deal up. Like, this is probably overstated. I'm going to go see this King Solomon. And she gets into his presence. And she hears the wisdom. He answers her questions. And she sees that behind the scenes, the people aren't like, oh, Solomon's such a jerk face. He's really... It had touched everyone in his life. And she had nothing. No more spirit in her. It's like, as a communicator, you know, I may hear somebody teach or preach the word of God, and you get done and hearing that person, and you're like, uh, okay, I'm pretty much in pre-K with my ability to do that. Yeah. Have, have you ever come across somebody in your trade or in something that you enjoy? Maybe you guys that like cars and you go out and, you know, you see, you go to some car show and some guy's got like the coolest car you have ever seen in your entire life and you're just blown away. Now, I know our responses tend to be like, well, you know, if I had that much money, I could put that car together too. But, but honestly, I mean, seriously, have you ever been in the presence of someone or seen somebody do their craft or their trade, and you're just like, okay, I need to just give up on life. (laughs) There was no more spirit in her. Not only that, the Bible says, and she said to the king, "Uh, it was a true report, which I heard in my own land of thine acts and of thy wisdom, how be it, I believe not their words, until I came, and mine eyes had seen it, and behold, the one half of the greatness of thy wisdom was not told me for thou exceedest the fame that I heard. What do you think about it? She said, so she went thinking it was all overstated. She gets there and said, what I have been told is not half as much as what I see. And notice verse seven, happy are thy men and happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom. And, you know, you know, kings, when they get power, they can just, the Bible says, you know, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And in uh, the Bible talks in Proverbs about how a king can speak and it's just executed and that, that what he says goes. And so no doubt throughout human history that power has been abused, but she sees King Solomon and, and his people around him are happy. Verse 8, blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee to set thee on his throne. So what happens now? Her mouth starts giving glory to the God of heaven. To be king for the Lord thy God, because thy God loved Israel, to establish them forever. Therefore made he thee king over them to do judgment and justice. 
And she gave the king 120 talents of gold and spices and great abundance and precious stones. Neither was there any such spice as the queen of Sheba gave King Solomon. And the servants also of Huram and the servants of Solomon, which brought gold uh, from Ophir, brought algum trees and precious stones. And the king made of the algum trees terraces to the house of the Lord and to the king's palaces and harps and psalteries for singers. And there were none such seen before in the land of Judah. And King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all her desire, whatsoever she asked, beside that which she had brought unto the king. So she turned and went away to her own land and to her servants. So here we have King Solomon answers all her questions. She thought the report initially was overstated. She gets into his presence and realizes not even she hadn't even heard half of this. She gives glory to the God of Israel. So let me ask you this. If you were to get a call, bring, bring, hello. Yes, King Solomon would like to meet with you this week. When can we set the appointment? Okay, so if you, I know he's dead right now, okay, but he's in the presence of Jesus. All right, bear with me. Let's take the theological part out. But if you got to meet with somebody like King Solomon this week, actually, let's go here. Let's go here. Laura, if you got to meet with King Solomon tomorrow, would you have to adjust anything in your schedule if he wanted to meet with you at noon? Okay, so you're ready to go. You're like, you can meet, okay? Um, I'm shocked. <laughs> That's your day off. All right, we'll come back to you. Um, Brent, Tuesday, 9 a.m., King Solomon wants to meet with you. Do you have to do anything to adjust your schedule? Would you adjust your schedule? What is it you'd have to adjust? Yeah, we can definitely adjust. Yeah, work. Like, I'll step in for you. I can do the spray thing like we used to, and then I'll go jump in the pool. Give me 20 bucks. All right. That's an inside story. Uh, let's see. I need people that aren't retired. All the retired people, they can, you know, just, my dad's like staying up till 2 a.m. and getting up at 10. I'm like, he just, he just does whatever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. He's retired. Uh, Patrick, Friday, 3 p.m., King Solomon wants to meet with you. Do you need to move anything around or are you good? You're, you're going to move some stuff around, all right? What would you have to move around? Work. Okay, so work. How many of you would raise your hand and you say, okay, if I had an appointment tomorrow with King Solomon, I can make that work. All right. Go with me here to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And verse number 29, the scripture says, and when the people were gathered thick together, he began to say, so this is Jesus speaking to this crowd of people, and uh, he doesn't have a very like positive self-esteem message. He tells them, this is an evil generation. They seek a sign, and there shall no sign be given it, but the sign of the prophet of Jonas, the prophet. For as Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the utmost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, say it out loud. Wow. 
God gives you chapters of, of wisdom, of Solomon's wisdom and how that was impacting people's lives. And, and you have a queen of a country come to him saying, oh, yeah, right. And she's talking to him and she's just in her spirit. There is no more spirit left in her when she's done. And Jesus tells this crowd of Israelites, behold, a greater than Solomon is here. I'm telling you, we don't know half of how great Jesus Christ is. We do, we, we, do not, we do not understand it. He is so much greater than we think he is. He's so much kinder. He's so much more loving. He's so much more merciful. He's so much wiser. And he looks at every one of those Jews and says, I mean, think about the claim that he's making right there. All those little Jewish kids growing up, you know, they, I want to be like King Solomon someday. And Jesus stands in the middle of them and says, I am greater. You know, he is telling them, you're missing it. A greater than Jonas is here. A greater than Solomon is here and you're missing it. That's what he told the crowd. But he also, there were also two Hebrew, Hebrew ladies that he had a conversation with. And one of them was missing it, and he didn't want her to. Go back just a chapter to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And in verse 38, you have Mary and Martha. Just such a, a, an amazing account here. It's so sweet. Verse 38, now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Externally, that's great, right? Like she's not being, she's not obstructing the Lord from coming in. It looks great. Externally, she's getting, you know, inviting him in. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister had left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. And this is the message tonight. We're going to talk about this word cumbered, cumbered. Martha was cumbered about much serving, and she was missing someone in her house that was greater than Solomon. Cumbered, it means this. To load, to crowd. As a noun, it's used as, it's a hindrance, it's an obstruction, it's a burden. And this is the only time in, in your whole Bible that the word is used. And it's because somebody's covered about and Jesus is in the house. But see, when you're covered about, you're loaded up. And your, your life is crowded. And so, Ethan, come on up here for a minute. Uh, actually, yeah, you come on up here. But then give me, let's see here, Chloe, why don't you come on up? You have a really cool name. And you are getting tall. Holy smokes. All right, so Chloe is going to be Martha. Okay, so stand here right in the center. And 
cumbered, it means to load or to crowd. So why don't you guys come on up here? You can kind of, I need some more people. So why don't, give me Becca. Ryan, you come on up here too, bro. And uh, we're broskies, right? Oh, yeah, we are now. If you want to marry her, we are. All right, no, <laughs> All right, you, you four come on up here. All right, come on up, uh, Nathan and Kayla. And all right, you can come on around here, Lincoln. All right, so we're kind of kind of crowding her. So I want you to think about this. Um, we, we've got a crowd around her, right? So let's just say that these are different things that are in Chloe's life. Like, Chloe, do you do stuff? What do you like to do? Soccer. All right, so you get to be soccer. What else do you like to do? Ride four-wheelers. I know that, right? Riding four-wheelers. Okay, school. Do you have to do school? Not right now, but eventually. Okay, school. We got what else? Friends, cell phones, parents. Uh, what else we got? Going to the library. Did you ever go to K&J's ice cream? That was a little plug for them, I guess. <laughs> you there? Okay. You got all that stuff. All right, so she's not crowded enough, though. So mom and dad, why don't you guys come on up? Little brother, why don't you come on up? Dan and Dodie, you're looking happy. Why don't you guys come on up? And so just go ahead and make a circle around here. Just start. And then, and so what happens is, you know, as you get older in life, you get more freedom and you just do whatever you want, right? Is that what happens? And you get your schedule clears out more. Is that what happens? No. So let's say Chloe, she's starting to get to be maybe 18. She's starting to make decisions about college and everything else is kind of crowding in on her, right? And so what can happen is you get so crowded and loaded up in your life that Jesus has time that he wants to spend with you, but he gets kind of left over here, right? Because everything else is crowding her life. And, And you guys know. Um, I'm not against activities. Okay. In high school, you guys know, I play basketball, band, jazz band, concert band, uh, a marching band. Um, what else did I do? Uh, track, you know, I did not do ballet. It was underwater basket weaving. Get it right. <laughs> but you know, you, you have stuff in your life, but what can happen is you can get cumbered. Now check this out. English lesson, right? How many English teachers we got in here? Raise your hand. All right. What is the preposition? Mrs. Huffman, was she, was she cumbered with, up on, against, without, or about? She was cumbered about, yeah. I love those German. I learned way more about English grammar in German class. We had Dorf, Fur, Gegen, Una, Um, Elser, Bei, Mit, Nachtzei, Von, Zu. That's right. This, those are the list of prepositions. She was cumbered. Not upon or in or what was it? It was cumbered about. She had, she had all this stuff. I got all this stuff. I got I got all this stuff. I got to do. Felt like my dad there for a minute. He's he's got his list. He's got his prize. I got all, I got stuff. I got to I got to do this. I got to do this. Right? Are you feeling very comfortable? <laughs> would Would you like to sit down? Okay, good. You can sit down. All right, thanks, guys. You can sit down. Do you see how I didn't get to use you? It, I picked you first, but that wasn't going to work. So what can happen is your life can get crowded. What can it get crowded? It can get crowded about. You ever tell somebody, hey, I've got, I'm, I was out and about. I mean, that can mean anything, right? You were you going to the dry cleaner. You were picking up a burger. You were dropping somebody off. You were doing this or that. She was cumbered about. Um, so that about is the preposition that means around, here and there. It's near to the person, but it's a nearness on all sides. So, how many of you say you get the picture of what was going on in, in Martha's life? Because maybe that's, like, maybe you're a little bit out. You got it, everything all about and around you. Well, not only was she cumbered about, what is the next word? She was cumbered about 
A little bit? Much. She was cumbered about much. You see how God is letting you know there. It, there was, she had a lot of stuff. I mean, there were potatoes, there were carrots, there were, she was doing all these things, right? And what is the final word that God says? She was cumbered about much serving. How many of you to raise two hands and say serving is a good thing? Pastor, is serving a good thing? Do you want more people to serve? Yes. <laughs> do we need more people to serve? Yes. In Austin, Texas, do we need more people to serve? Yeehaw, yes. All right. They don't really do that there. I was just... Making sure you're staying awake. Yes, we need more people to serve. But in serving, be careful that you don't get cumbered about. Because what, and here's a way, here's the test, right? You want to see if you're cumbered about? You will believe a couple of lies when you get, if you get cumbered about. What did Martha say to the Lord? First thing, Lord, dost thou not care? Lie number one, she got to thinking that Jesus really didn't care about what was going on and about her. You're asking the one that's greater than Solomon, the one who put the sun and moon stars out there, knows all the names of the stars, and, and doesn't just name them like, I don't think God's names form are like NASA. You know, NASA's like, this star is Andromeda 13569er. I don't think that's how God names. I think God has like really cool names for him. But you're asking the one that has names for the stars if he cares well when you get cumbered about your thinking gets uh, out of alignment and you begin to think that the lord doesn't care the truth is in psalm 40 verse 5 the bible says many O lord my god are thy wonderful works which thou hast done and thy thoughts which are to us word they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee if i would declare and speak of them they are more than can be numbered that day that martha says god do you not care she had no idea how much he had thought about her that day and thought about going to her house and thought about her brother and her sister, Mary. First Peter five says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Psalm fifty five twenty two: cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Psalm 62, eight, trust in him at all times. Ye people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Yes, God cares about you, but when you get cumbered about and you get your eyes on yourself and off of the Lord, you think, God, do you not care about what's going on? He absolutely does. The second lie is you're going to think that you're alone. She says, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve all by myself? I call this the Elijah complex. Remember Elijah, he's running from Jezebel. He had slain all those prophets, but he's out there and he's having a pity part for himself. And God shows up and God says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah goes, well, they, they've, they're slain all the prophets and they're just killing everybody. And I had to run out here. This is like, obviously a paraphrase. And then he says, and I only, I'm the only one left. It's just me. What did he do? He had his eyes on himself. And what is God's answer to him? Elijah, I've got 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. You be all right. Get up. But 
what happens when you get cumbered and you get so invested in, in, in everything that's going on about you and you neglect time with the Lord, you think, God, it seems like you don't care. God, it seems like I'm the only one going through my problem. Can I tell you, you are not the only one going through your problem. Now, you might be the only one like in your inner circle or the only one person that you know is going through, but you open this book and you find out there are a whole lot of people that went through a whole lot of problems. And I bet you could find somebody in here that's got a situation that you can identify with and that can identify with you and that God will help you with that. So the other thing that happens when you get cumbered about, notice the last thing that she says to him. She came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. When you and I get cumbered about, you might want to be careful how you're talking to God. And again, not a guy's not going to zap you with lightning bolts. But I want you to think about this. She just told the person that is greater than Solomon. Hey, go tell her to help me. Teachers. You ever had a student maybe kind of lose their brain for a second or 30 and like say something to you or address a person in authority, maybe the way they shouldn't. And again, God and his, think about this. God in his grace doesn't zap her with lightning bolts. He doesn't do, this is what he says. Martha, Martha. You ever had to say your kid's name twice? You coaches, how many of you coaches ever had to tell your players, you know, they used to call me Nate the skate. They'd be like, skate, skate. And it's like the second time that that comes out, it's the, oh yeah, me, right? And so what does he do? He says, Martha, Martha. I don't know why I'm looking at you, Chad. Well, I'll just say Chad, Chad, Chad. Do you see how that second time, it's such a call to attention. And he corrects her by saying, thou art, man, he knows her heart. He knows why she's just told God to do something. And he says, thou art careful and troubled about many things. And you know, the Bible says, be careful for nothing, right? How do I not be careful for anything? There's, I'm telling you, there's a lot of stuff to worry about. You ever feel that way? Now, those of you guys that don't deal with anxiety, some of you, your thing is anger or depression or whatever. But, okay, those of us that struggle with anxiety, there's a lot of stuff to worry about. And Jesus says, you're troubled about many things. And the scriptural answer for that is be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer, supplication with, like Pastor preached this morning, Thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So he tells her, after getting her attention, there is one thing is needful, right? There's a book in uh, you know, in the marketing and uh, communications department there at the school, and there's a book, The One Thing. And so that's kind of hip and cool in marketing speak. Like, what's your one thing? What's your one thing? You know, there's a little Tim Hawkins right there, right? What's your one thing? Like, are you guys classical? Or are you like STEM? Where's your emphasis? What's your one thing? You know, so those of you that own businesses, Scott, what's your one thing? 
don't know what has to do with the book, but read it. What's your one thing? And the idea is there, you ought to be able to like fix the one, the, the, the one niche, niche problem that the person has. So your business will grow. Is it niche or niche, Amy? I don't know. Niche or niche? You think it's neither? Oh, either. Okay. I was like, is it niche? I don't know. <laughs> Jesus tells her, hey, this is the one thing that you need to do. And Mary had chosen that good part. Well, what did she do? She sat at his feet and heard his word. And so this is it. This is the crux of the message. Are you cumbered? Are you cumbered about? Are you cumbered about much? Don't miss your time with the Lord this week. And again, whether your appointment with the Lord is tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. or tomorrow evening at 11 p.m., just between you and God, whatever God lays on your heart to do, do not miss that time. Because this week, there is a greater than Solomon that wants to meet with you. And if you are cumbered about much serving, chance you'll miss it. So you got one thing, you got one thing you got to do this week. You spend time with God. And then all that other stuff, you let the wisdom of God impact your life. Uh, I think from King Solomon, we can see it's going to work out pretty well for you. And again, you may not have 2,000 dromedaries, Aiden, but God will bless your life. And that doesn't mean you're going to have a million dollars, but God will bless your life as you walk in his ways. He's promised to do that. And so you seek him, you seek his wisdom. Don't get cumbered about much serving. Now, very careful. Don't stop serving. Don't stop serving. Do not stop serving. And in case it wasn't clear, don't stop serving. Serve God. Just make sure you don't get covered about with all the other stuff. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you so much for uh, just the wisdom, God, that you gave King Solomon. That was miraculous.